0: Man, that ball got out of here in a hurry. Just a bit outside. You know, anything travels that far, out would
1: have a damn stewardess on it, don't you think?
2: It's time for Powell at the Park.
1: one constant through all the years, Ray, has been baseball. Cubs,
0: Sox,
2: all your Chicago baseball news.
1: Dynamite
0: drop in money. Here's your host, Kevin Powell. Play ball!
2: very excited about this week's episode of the powell at the park podcast welcome in i'm kevin powell episode number seven lucky number seven as the pod continues to roll on, on this week's episode, we'll get to the rundown in just a minute. Paul Sullivan, of course, everybody knows that name. If you're listening to the podcast, you might, probably means you have some sort of interest in Chicago baseball. Paul Sullivan, of course, with the Chicago Tribune, been covering the Cubs and Sox for many years. Covers all of baseball. We'll touch on this um, uh, on the incredible amount of postponements we've seen so far this season, most ever before May first, twenty five through Wednesday. Uh, Cubs have dealt with it. Sox have dealt with it. It's been a pain in the ass for a lot of teams, and it hasn't been all that fun for fans. So I talked to Solly about his thoughts on what uh, Major League Baseball can or should do to kind of fix that problem. And Anthony Rizzo had some, some comments about how he thinks that they should play less games. There should be some scheduling changes, and um, we'll get into that a little bit uh, with Solly and we'll also talk to the author of a new book called "The Performance Cortex: The Performance Cortex How Neuroscience Is Redefining Athletic Genius." Some really interesting stuff. Some high praise for um, for Zach from impressive authors and writers, including Jeff Passan. From Yahoo Sports, he had this to say, The brain is the last untapped resource for athletes, the final frontier for sports analytics. Zach Schonburn's riveting look inside of how players' minds truly work and how that knowledge is being used to reimagine the games we play fires with the efficiency and efficacy of a synapse. Uh, it's really interesting stuff. We'll get into that. It's pretty deep. It's pretty nerdy. It's pretty baseball nerdy. It's nerdy on a whole lot of levels, but it's some really interesting stuff. And we've seen teams try to... Get advantages in basically every aspect of the game for baseball, and really in every sport. But this takes a close look at how, basically, how hitters are able to do what they do. I mean, how often are you sitting around with your friends and like, man, if I could just one time, hit, you know, turn on a ninety-five mile per hour fastball and send it into the left field seats? Like, how do they possibly do that? So we'll, we'll talk about that a little bit and talk about the difference of, of those gifted athletes. And it's not just a physical thing. It's not. It's mental. And they're, they're looking into that with some brain imaging and some high-tech stuff that seems uh, kind of futuristic. So we'll talk about the book with Zach. But we'll start with, as we always do here on the Paul at the Park podcast, with the rundown. So on this week's rundown, I wanted to touch on Javi Baez for a second because he's just really incredible, and he does have these ebbs and flows we've seen where he strikes out a whole bunch. Uh, He struck out 144 times last year, but he always seems to find a way to do something incredible, whether it's defensively or at the plate. And right now, Javi, through Wednesday, April 18th, has five homers, 16 RBIs, he is batting just 235 but he has an OPS over 1000. His OPS plus 169, which is very nice, but that's absurd. And he's he's hitting for power. That's that's really, you know, he's got he's got 12 hits on the year. 3 of those are doubles, 2 of those are triples and 5 of those are homers. So all but two hits have have been extra base hits. It's it's pretty wild. I love watching Javier Baez play. He does incredible things. And, um, you know, it's the consistency with Baez, I think, that we all are kind of looking for because he does go on these streaks, but right now he's on a hot streak and he is fun to watch. I know many Cub fans have him at the top of their list as as favorite players. Uh, Understandably so. He's got a flair for the dramatic. Javier Baez off to a hot start. Also, uh, this week, some news that Eloy Jimenez is finally being sent to Class AA Birmingham. He had been rehabbing a pec muscle injury, which Rickon didn't say anything was anything too serious, um, being a little bit overly cautious, so he was in ex- extended spring training. There was also news that the Sox finally cut 2012 first-round bust, Courtney Hawkins, who many had high hoped for, but he is no longer with the organization. And Eloy Jimenez will start um, reporting to Birmingham this week. So fans can finally live stream his games, try to check in on as many at bats as Eloy Watch officially kicks off. We talked to Rick Hahn about a month and a half ago on this podcast. I think it was the first or second episode. And just want to revisit that because I just kind of asked him, you know, I said, look, there are. Anyone who's seen him up close, anybody who had a chance to see what he can do at spring training, his phys- physical stature, his actual performance at the plate—it was—it was a small sample size, but everybody was just wowed by him. Um Rick Hahn had this to say when, when I told him that, and kind of wanted to get his impressions on Eloy from the spring.
1: Uh, as advertised, you know, we obviously had been a fan of his going back to when he was an amateur back in I believe 2013 was the year that he he originally signed with the Cubs, and and our pro scouts have thought very thought very highly of him, uh, leading up to our acquisition of him last summer, and then once the once we had him in in our system, our player development folks in in both Winston Salem and in Birmingham. Uh, spoke extremely high of uh, not just the the obvious tools that are apparent to the naked eye, but the way he uh, fits into a clubhouse, uh, how uh, high energy and gregarious he is, as well as uh, his work ethic and his responsiveness to instruction. And and all that was as advertised over the course of the month or so that we had him in big league Camp here. He's he's, uh, obviously an extremely talented individual. Everyone knows that. And uh, once you get to spend a little Little bit of time with him on a regular basis you realize uh, that he's a, a pretty special guy off the field as well which is which is just tremendous and obviously the type of the type of individual we want to have representing this club
2: that's Rick Hahn, White Sox general manager on Eloy Jimenez. And um, I think all of us are just really looking forward to see what Jimenez can do. And uh, eventually, maybe we'll see him up at the majors at some point this year. Um, that is the rundown. Also in the rundown, I do want to do a segment on these uh, postponements and how crazy it's been. But I get into that with Solly quite a bit. So we'll touch base with, uh, with Sullivan on that. But that's the rundown for Week 7. The first guest on this week's episode... Great Paul Sullivan had a conversation with Sully about Wrigley renovations, the start of the season for the Cubs and Sox, and about all these crazy postponements, 25 of them so far before May 1st, most ever. So I uh, had a great conversation with Paul Sullivan. <laughs> We now are joined by Paul Sullivan from the Chicago Tribune. If you know Chicago baseball, you know that name. Sully's so been covering both the Cubs and White Sox for a long time, many years. He does it well. He's a must-read at chicagotribune.com in your local paper. Follow him at P.W. Sullivan on Twitter. Paul, thanks for joining the podcast. Appreciate it. Thanks, guys. yeah uh, Before we get into this episode of the pod, the Tribune has a new Baseball Podcast as well that I think everybody should check out. The Deep Dish Baseball Podcast with yourself, Teddy Greenstein, and Dan Weider. What can people expect there? How often? Where can they listen? All all those uh, sorts of good things.
3: Well, you're asking a lot of questions here
2: <laughs> Well, I've done my research, fortunately You guys are at uh, com, iTunes, yeah. Google Play I know
0: that I assume <laughs> It's on our website Yes,
2: well, anywhere you can find podcasts You can find the Deep Dish Baseball Podcast yeah. I'm sure, it's good stuff there Yeah, um,
3: and Teddy and Mark Gonzalez Also is, uh, is part of the podcast So it's kind awesome. of all the baseball writers And uh, Teddy is like Their uh, host, I would say
2: Okay Cool. Well, uh, if you if anybody loves baseball out there, be sure to check out the Deep Dish Baseball Podcast. The whole Tribune uh, baseball team, sports writers, are all be on that throughout the year. Um, Sorry, let's start with with the incredible amount of postponements we've seen this season twenty five so far, most ever before May first. Um, and then, of course, there's news with with Rizzo this week. He tells Cap that he thinks there should be uh, it should be a, a shorter schedule. There should be less games, and some people completely agree, and some people, of course, go all up in arms about it. What are your thoughts on that, and how do they combat this moving forward? With this, you know, is this just sort of a weird baseball thing where we, you know, we don't see this often, or is it something that Major League Baseball does need to address moving forward with a with a completely reimagined schedule, or even a shorter season?
3: Well, you'd like to see them have an imaginative schedule. I don't think a shorter season is is going to be in the cards just because of the fact that. Uh, you know, if you're taken away, they, they say eight games, so four home games. You know, it's not like salaries are coming down. So, uh, you know, they got to pay these guys. So uh, I, I don't see it happening. I don't know. I I, I know everyone seems to be it, especially in April. But uh, I, I, re- I still think doubleheaders are the way to go. Um, they don't like to play doubleheaders for obvious reasons. It's a long day. Uh, you, you know... You have to have two games you have to clear out the stadium it's just kind of pain for everyone but uh, you know if, if you want to uh, get these games you have to schedule some doubleheaders. headers uh, you want the off days I mean, you want everything but baseball is a long season and, and I do think that this is not an anomaly this year I think this is kind of gonna be like this for uh, some years here it seems like the climate's changing our, our definitely chicago has colder springs than i remember growing up um more prolonged cold springs and uh, it seems like the uh, november is is much nicer than it used to be so it seems like the seasons are shifting a little bit i'm not a meteorologist or anything or a climatologist but uh, just from my observations of you know 59 years in this planet uh, chicago is uh, it's basically just winter and summer now
2: you know, I've heard the idea and I believe they've they they used to do this in the past quite often, Solly, um, was maybe once a month schedule a doubleheader on on a Saturday and then leave Sunday open. Um correct me if I'm wrong, but I think that used to be a norm, or at least obviously there were a lot more double headers. Do you think that could be plausible moving forward?
3: Um, yeah. I'm looking at a schedule here from uh 1973, and uh, actually the the Cubs played a doubleheader. Let me look at this. It's like April 22nd, uh, May 13th. Uh, let's see, yeah, June. Yeah, they they scheduled at least one a month back in the 70s. It seemed like, and uh, it, no one was bothered by it. I mean, it was a I guess the games went faster back then, but. Um, I remember going to them as a kid and i, I loved it but uh, you know nowadays uh, <laughs> no one wants to beat the ballpark for eight hours it's,
2: right well that's, I don't know
3: why well,
2: yeah was, yeah and that's and that's part of it too for me like well one we can factor in the length the average length of these games it's just like it seems everything major League baseballs tried to do hasn't really even helped um, three hour plus games over and over every night it's not exactly um you know, working with the current younger demographic who have, like to watch the NBA, that takes two hours and 20 minutes to complete a game. So you factor in that, that's seven hours of baseball for a doubleheader. Um, so I guess yeah. that gets factored into the equation as well.
3: Yeah, plus you got to empty out the stadium because they don't want to do a straight doubleheader. And, uh, right. you know, so that'll take another hour or two. Uh, and one thing, you know, I'd have to say about the spring is uh, if you look at the averages, the Cubs are hitting uh, 230 six 237 something like that mm-hmm. and you're like wow that's really terrible that's like about the league average right uh it, it's amazing uh the batting averages of teams this i know the cold weather and everything but um you know it's uh, it's not a good product right now for people to watch yeah. especially in cold weather
2: well, for people watching at Wrigley, all sorts of new renovations this year. You spent a lot of, lot of, many, many days at Wrigley Field, so you've seen it up close. This transformation, most recently, but all across the years, um, you've been posting some great stuff on Twitter about um, you know things inside and outside the park. And I think it was last week we, you know, you posted the, the quote "skinny seats" that some people have seen. It's basically they're going the airline route there. Are they as skinny as people are talking about? I mean, and how surprised were you? to see the Cubs, you know, doing something like that, squeezing fans in, um, into these quote skinny seats.
3: Well, I'll tell you what. Uh, next uh, game, uh, go down there yourself and uh, do the skinny skinny seat challenge. I'm
2: a husky fella, uh, Solly. I don't even want to embarrass myself in that regard. I, I carry a few extra pounds around at all times, so I, I'm not looking forward to even trying out those skinny seats. They're pretty uncomfortable. Well,
3: uh, well, someone, uh, told me about it on opening or the home opener and I came down and tried it out and, uh, yes, it, it was uncomfortable. Um, and, uh, you know, it's angled kind of not towards home plate, so, uh, you, you're kind of turning your body anyways. Uh, yeah, <laughs> it didn't seem very comfortable to me and they're very expensive tickets because they are close to the, uh, foul line. Um, kind of near the old Bartman seats. No. Uh, so I don't know what they're going to do. Uh, I've, you know, I've been keeping in touch with some of the fans there. They were complaining about it, but uh, I, I don't know what they can do until uh, maybe next season if they want to give them bigger seats.
2: So inside and out the ballpark. We've seen, um, you know, new seats put in. Of course, there's the 1914 Club and the new seats there. By the way, I sat in those. Those are very comfortable, Sully, but I think out of the price range yeah. for, for many. So um, I guess that's yeah. just the way it is, right? You, just, you got you get what you pay for, even to a, a more extreme than ever before. Um, overall, yeah. though, I know there's an old school thought to Wrigley, and that there's the purists and people who went to Wrigley as they were as when they were kids and growing up overall from the renovations you've seen for the you know the past few years when we've seen drastic changes are, are, you, are you pro all these renovations at Wrigley and what you've seen i mean overall if you could put a grade on it do you, do you think your you know cub fans should be pleased with what we've seen outside and inside or is it becoming too commercialized
3: uh, I like most of it I would say um you know i i was uh, I went down to check out the 1914 and uh, I thought it was pretty cool I mean I don't know anyone. It would be able to afford to, to go to the club, but uh, you know I think that's kind of a normal thing in baseball now. Well, in all sports, the Hawks don't they have some kind of fancy club at the stadium at the UC and yeah. uh,
1: multiple clubs. You know,
3: the, the White Sox have had a club at uh, Sox Park for years, so it's it's nothing new. It's just uh, more expensive because uh, it's the Cubs. Uh, Um, You know, the video board, I I wasn't too crazy about. I think they could have gone without one. But uh, I do look at it, and, uh, you know, some of it's pretty good. Uh, A little too loud, that's my major complaint at the uh, Wrigley, is that uh, they won't turn the sound down for anything. Mm -hmm. um, And you can't even hear the person next to you. But uh, no one wants to listen to me about about that one. I've complained about that since uh, the news. Sound system came in 2015, maybe. Um, that's just like, oh, uh, you're just old. So, <laughs>
2: well, I know, I, I know, I've, I've, I've seen your frustrations over the walk-up music, which I think can, and, and maybe it is for like reporters who are there quite often. I'm not there as much as a lot of you guys are, but I'm, you know, I'm there, f- hand, you know, a few times a week, and it's just like the constant playing of the walk-up music is. It can get very obnoxious. So, I, I see, totally see where you're coming from. Um there. Yeah.
3: I know neighbors I know some neighbor friends of mine that live near Wrigley That uh every time Benny and the Jets comes on they you know, they wanna just scream. <laughs> um and nothing against, you know, Mrs. Uh Zobie. Yeah. It's just that, you know, we've heard the song Yeah.
2: So uh, well. I'm 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 with you on that one. Um Let's uh oh by the way I saw you posting pictures of uh, tacos from Big Star. I went to the uh, original Big Star in Wicker yeah. Park the other day. The chicken tacos are uh-huh. underrated. I normally go oh, por- I normally go pork belly but those chicken thigh tacos are dynamite from there.
3: Oh, I'll try the pork belly next time. It was my first time and you know honestly I didn't know anything about Big Star and uh, mm. I made the faux pas of asking him to turn on the uh, TV and they're like uh, no no that's <laughs> not happening. And I said well, why not? They're like, uh, well, we only turn it on for Cubs games. Uh-huh. i like, well, the Cubs games postponed. Right. Uh, well, well, that's too bad. So
2: they won't go They I won't go White Sox Blackhawks. at all. At all.
3: They won't go Blackhawks. Uh, they won't turn on the NBA playoffs. Oh, my. I'm like. Okay. And I said, well, why do you have the TVs there? I mean, <laughs> right. it really makes sense. He said, well, it's kind of a, we're not really a TV bar. We just did it as a concession to the Cubs. Cause yeah. You know, they some somebody did something to get the the star of that pretty prime real estate there right across from right.
2: us. Yeah, but, uh, yeah it very
3: good. Right. I, I like the yeah, the food was good.
2: Yeah. yeah, the original one in Wicker Park, no TVs, it's just very kind of stripped yeah. down. It's a bar, drinks. It's actually a really cool place. Food's delicious. So um, yeah. yeah, try the pork yeah, the belly Wicker next time. Yeah, it's a, yeah, it's like a hipster thing, kind of. You know, no TVs anymore. They're trying to, like, fight the millennial stigma about, uh, you know, everybody sucked into their phones and TVs and actually encourage conversation. Yeah. So it's kind of cool, actually, yeah. but it is kind of a hipster Wicker Park thing.
3: Yeah, I didn't mind it, but, uh, you know, I, you
2: know in I... In the middle of the day when the Cubs are postponed, put the socks on for crying out loud. Yeah, uh, it's Chicago, I mean. Yeah. Um, well speaking of the socks y- y- you had some interesting thoughts in uh, one of your recent pieces this week about you know the athletics did this free ticket giveaway and there was a ton of fans of course that showed up um, I-, I love the idea but I think you can't obviously overdo it because the argument teams are always gonna make is well we don't want to we don't want to water down a brand or whatever you have to have some respectability whether you're selling these tickets for five bucks or seven bucks um, I love the idea I think they should do it maybe once a year find like a look at the numbers from past years and say okay when when's a dead time of year and let the fans in free i'm all for it
3: uh yeah i mean in theory it sounds uh, like a great idea the the white Sox thing though and you know i didn't really get in depth on it uh but uh if uh if they did in the summer you know they would be taking away their like prime time of (laughs) selling tickets because as we know right they don't no, one, no one goes to the games when it 's this cold, unlike the cubs, but when it 's nice out, you know people will hey i think I 'll go to the sox game today, so you 're kind of like screwing yourself if you do it during the summer, and if you did it right now, i don 't think they could fill the place, yeah, so uh, could I could backfire I if you had,
2: give away free tickets uh, and nobody shows up
3: yeah, that would be bad, but <laughs> one thing I liked uh, that the Orioles are doing is uh uh, letting kids in free in, in sections, so mm-hmm. you know if they come with an adult, uh, you can bring a two or three kids. I can't remember what it was, but uh, I mean, if you want to grow the game to kids, uh, you know, give them free tickets, right. make it affordable for families.
2: Yeah, this is from your piece So the twenty highest attended games at the twenty-seven year old ballpark. Fourteen were interleague games against the Cubs. Five were postseason in uh, ninety-three, two thousand, um, and the. Um, all star game ballpark uh, renovations, of course, reduced in 2004, so a lot of those don't factor in like the 05 stuff. But obviously, yeah. those Cubs games are, are, are premium. So, um, but I'm all for creativity and teams kind of mixing things up and getting fans in the uh, ballpark. In terms of just the baseball aspect stuff, uh, Sully, I guess just an impression from each team. I know it's early, so um, there's kind of this waning period where we're, you know, like as Joe Madden said, give me 25 games to a month before we kind of really critique this team. But um, I guess let's start. For the Cubs, anything, one thing stand out to you, whether it's positive or negative?
3: Well, I mean, it's the runners and scoring position thing, uh, not very good. I think it's under 200 last I checked. Um, I didn't, I don't know what it was after yesterday, but that, you know, didn't add to it. Um, and the White Sox, for sure, are even worse than the Cubs, uh, I, would, I would think. But uh, that stands out to me because I, I think they do have a good hitting lineup. Uh, the starting pitching has been spotty. Obviously, um, I'm going to have to uh, give them the benefit of the doubt. That uh, pitching uh, in this kind of weather is really, you know, not really uh, good for a pitcher. Uh, but uh, otherwise, you know, I mean, they're hanging, they're hanging around 500. I think uh, there's nothing definitely to panic about. Uh, it's going to be the Cubs, probably the Cardinals, and. Uh, brewers and maybe the pirates even Uh, looks like they're pretty decent
2: He's Paul Sullivan, you know the name. He covers Chicago baseball. He does it. Uh, he does it very, very well. A must-read stuff. chicagotribune.com dot uh, Pick up your local paper, uh, paper, and again, follow him on Twitter at P W Sullivan and the Deep Dish Baseball Podcast. Teddy Greenstein, um, Gonzo, uh, Sully will be on it. Dan Weeder, the whole Chicago Tribune uh, crew out there. So, uh, Sully, really appreciate you uh, jumping on. Hopefully, we can have you uh, again in the uh, in the future, and uh, we'll talk some more baseball. Thanks for having me. That's Paul Sullivan. Really appreciate him jumping on the podcast. Big fan of Paul's. You know, I love the way he finds a way to incorporate old stories and anecdotes from his years of covering baseball, but he also finds a way to tie that into current events and current things going on baseball. So to me it's it's Sully stuff is must read, as it is I know for, for many out there. All right. Up next, this is our first book interview for the podcast, and it's an interesting one. It's called The Performance Cortex, How Neuroscience is Redefining Athletic Genius. Zach Schoenbrunn is the author, and he was kind enough to jump on the podcast and talk about his new book. We're now joined by Zach Schoenbrunn. He is, uh, you can read his stuff at the New York Times, really all over the internet, does some great work covering baseball. Um, Must read stuff. You can follow him on Twitter as well, at z-s-c-h-o-n-b-u-r-n and zach has a really impressive and really interesting book out called the performance cortex how neuroscience is redefining athletic genius when i read that title i didn't i didn't have to see much more because it immediately piqued my interest zach
0: i'm glad to hear kevin uh thank you very much for having me yeah
2: we'll, we'll dive into basically what this is and um you know, it's it's really interesting because we see teams in, in all sports and particularly in baseball with the way analytics and metrics are used these days, teams are trying to get a competitive edge in just about every aspect. And the next competitive advantage is what you've kind of detailed in this book, which is brain imaging, and the best I can do. Thankfully, you're here because basically, the best I can do to explain it is it's like using a hairnet that looks like it's out of a sci-fi movie to to do brain imaging and see how the the, the brain works in athletes and specifically elite athletes. Would you say that's an accurate description um, in terms of like where this whole project of neuroscience analytics is going? <laughs>
0: Yeah, and your and your description is fairly accurate. In fact, I described it uh, that way myself as a hairnet, and and that the uh, the equipment you're referring to is an EEG or electroencephalogram, and that is the equipment that this company Deservo has been using to quantify and assess the decision making ability of professional baseball hitters. And and I I found Deservo in 2014 um, in, an, in an alumni magazine that I was scrolling through, and I and these they were still students. They were. Post- doctoral students at Columbia, so doing research in a laboratory, but also they had started this business to try and consult uh, with Major League Baseball teams using neuroscience. Uh, neuroscience, and, and so, you know, I had heard about brain gaming and cognitive training, and, and obviously, you know, sports psychology and mindfulness has been a big topic in, in sports in recent years. But this technique, uh, which was actually using a neuroimaging equipment EEG and, and specifically, uh, trying to quantify and, and basically provide teams with data about the way neurons are firing in the brain. It just seemed, it, it seemed another level and, and definitely, you know, it, to me, it represented what could be the future, uh, in sports. And so that's how I, I got interested in finding out what they were doing and, and obviously started on this path. Toward my own understanding of, of the way that the brain is involved in, in uh, not just uh, our movement on an everyday basis, but the elite movers among us, those who uh, we, we pay to watch uh, perform on the sporting fields.
2: Well, that's why I found it so interesting, because you can measure reaction, you can measure physical activity, and adjustments can be made. If physically, technique-wise, for baseball players, they can use certain exercises to strengthen a certain area of the body. When it comes to the brain, so so how do they take this information, I guess, and and apply it to okay, well, how do we make an average or above-average athlete elite? Are there certain tools they're developing with this information? Are there certain techniques they're developing that can eventually be applied to get the same sort of mental reaction that elite athletes do into average or you know just your regular Joes like you and I who play softball on the weekends? Like, is that the long-term goal here, or is it just basically at this point f- figuring out how some of these brains work?
0: Yeah, I mean, I think there, there are two ways that that teams currently are trying to figure out how to be how to use this, and one is training, as you mentioned, um, and, and trying to improve the hitters that they currently have using this as basically another source of information to say, okay, this guy might not be reacting, or or this it's it's not so much reacting; it's a yeah. decision. It, 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 they're making a, a, a decision to swing or not to swing, and you can possibly use that information. Uh, say so he's not deciding on a fastball or a curveball in in. in In the right amount of time, we can maybe improve that. So that's one avenue. And then the other avenue is as a scouting or assessment tool. You can, um, by, you know, you have to have enough data there in order for you to make, you know, an accurate assessment. But if you have, if you have enough players that you can say, okay, these guys all responded to pitches within 350 to 300 milliseconds and that corresponded to a 300 batting average, then maybe I can start to look for that that baseline and say, I'm only going to draft or, or scout players that, that fit that, that profile. And so that could also be the future. I'm not saying that they're going to completely eliminate anybody who doesn't fit into that, into that baseline, but it's just another metric to be used in scouting and analyzing. And, and you mentioned uh, talking about how we can see um you know physical the physical nature of our of our performance what really struck me about what this airvo was doing what i think is is you know, going to be more why it's going to be used more in the future is because these guys with the EEG they're able to delineate when a decision was made, even when the hitter does not swing. Mm-hmm. You know, when he when he just sits there and does not make any movement, there it still is a decision. It's it's a decision, not to swing. So there are neurons activating, and you can regist- and that registers as an activation in the EEG. So um, that's one uh, thing that was really interesting, and I think is, is interesting the teams
2: as well that's what struck me the most too is that it, it, kind of what i said before like we, we it's so easy to measure reaction and seeing what a guy does with a swing or you know um and i know this is more swing oriented but even like with with pitchers and things like that and, and kind of the um you know their techniques and motions it that that's what stood out to me most reading by the way there is an excerpt from the book at uh, newyorktimes.com and if this Podcast doesn 't win you over to go check this book out. I highly recommend reading that because just you get a little taste of this, and I, I promise you 'll be completely enamored with it um, th- that 's what stuck with me is that these guys can can react not to react if that makes sense um, you know it 's it's, it's, it's pretty incredible. One of the notes that I have in front of me here, and I, I believe this is this is directly from the book is. Um, or something along these lines. Why expert expert hitters in baseball are not unlike automobile enthusiasts who can recognize the make and model of a car even as it disappears out of sight or bird watchers who can detect a specific bird by an instantaneous flash of color or flight pattern. So a lot of these tendencies in elite athletes, I mean, of course, we all gush over what they can do, but there, there are certain things in, in in everyday people's brains that, that are – that they – can be correlated with these pro athletes and probably could be applied to whatever their craft is or their hobby is.
0: Well yeah, absolutely. I mean, you know, what you're referring what you're referring you refer to there with the with the car enthusiasts and the, the bird watchers, we're talking about experts. Yeah. And and baseball hitters are experts in their craft. And so one of the things that Jason and Jordan uh, the co founders of the servo, one of the stud, early studies that they did into into baseball hitters was uh, looking at the specific brain regions in, in the in the hitters that correlate to uh, strong performance in baseball and one of the reasons that they found that that could be responsible for their expertise is an area called the fusiform gyrus this is an area that in other studies um has been shown um particularly when we recognize faces why we're so good at recognizing uh faces that we're familiar with like i can pick out my you know my mother's face in a crowd of people i can pretty much pick that out instantaneously i, I I'm an expert at seeing my, my, the face of my mother, so to speak, and so I can, I can pick that out quickly. And it's also been shown in studies on picking out certain words and, and, and letters. And it's also been shown in studies involving car enthusiasts, bird watchers, uh, chess grandmasters, and now baseball players. And so that particular brain region is essentially uh, a trigger to the motor system to react. And it, it activates in a way in these experts that's different than non-experts or novices. And so it kind of is like that. It's like a tripwire. wire. It, it, it gets things in motion much more quickly uh, than perhaps other people who are not as fast as recognizing things. So um, kind of interesting.
2: Yeah, that was, I was going to say it's fascinating stuff. Um, you did mention that there are some teams that have signed consulting contracts. How is this? Where does where do they stand now? This Deservo. Where are they at in terms of getting professional teams on board? Because to me, like at this point, where baseball is at, where there's so much advanced analytics and metrics, we saw it on the numbers sorts of things with Bill James so many years ago, and 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 all of that. To me, like this seems like a no brainer. Um, no pun intended. To 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 get teams on board, where it, it seems like baseball is more of a forward-thinking sport than it ever has been. So, are they having trouble with teams getting on board? And are you able to reveal which teams do have the consulting contracts, or was that you can't go there? Yeah. Really?
0: Yeah, so unfortunately, I'm not. I'm not able to. I'm right. not on the authority to uh, to reveal. I, I did, you know, I I And and trust me, I I tried, but you know, their their anonymity is. I know. Uh, I get uh,
2: it. I get it. That's yeah. why I, f- I figured uh, I'd ask. But how 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 has the reaction <laughs> been in professional baseball so far?
0: Yeah, so I was surprised, too, that they, that it's not a no-brainer, as as you uh, mentioned. You know, I've been following DeServo for about three years, and I thought when the, by the time I got started with following them, I thought three years down the road that they'd be everywhere in baseball. I really thought they were the next big thing and it's taken a little bit longer than I expected. And the the main barrier for them is that they're using with the EEG, you know, they're using a really rigorous and scientifically valid method to basically peel back the helmet and peer inside the brain of a hitter. But the problem with that is that it's time consuming and it's not exactly a fun thing to do. You have to wear an EEG cap. You have to have this electrode cream put inside your hair. You have to sit in front of a laptop and push a push a button for 40 minutes, and so a lot of these teams are hesitant to burden their players with that sort of uh, extracurricular activity, and a lot of players just aren't that interested. I mean, they're thinking, okay, what's this going to do for me? And I, you know, it's a, that's a valid question, yeah. and so um, you know, I think until the actual neuroimaging uh, gets to be accessible and easy and, and easy to use, and and, and uh, you know, and really the next the big step that'll that'll really uh, enable it to transcend sports, I think, will be when whenever there's a neuroimaging uh, technique that's created that allows you to move around while wearing the headgear and, and potentially take a batting practice while you're wearing the headgear. That's that's not here yet we're still a good ways away from that and, and right now really any movement that you make you have to be pretty still while you're wearing the move, while you're wearing the cap because movement can corrupt the data so um it's uh, it it just it these are you know problems that and burdens that the teams are trying to figure out how to um, how to get around and um you know, the cerebros doing their best to make things um, to make these accessible, but um, you know, it's it's still uh, it's still not quite taken off as as I thought it was going to.
2: Hey, Zach Schoenbrun, the author of the Performance Cortex: How Neuroscience Is Redefining Athletic Genius, it's really really interesting stuff. I can't, uh, I've read a little bit from it and can't wait to completely dive uh, headfirst into it again. though. No, pun intended there. Uh, The morning show host here at WGN, Zach, likes to tell um, the audience, you know, you're careless, you'll lose one, buy two copies. So I highly recommend everyone buy two copies of the Performance Cortex. Give them to one of your baseball friends. Um, It's really interesting stuff. Zach, where can people buy the book?
0: You can buy the book anywhere books are sold uh, You know, Amazon is obviously mm-hmm. A great way, but it's certainly going to be In bookstores like Barnes & Noble And, um, and yeah, hopefully Not too, too hard to find But I, I would encourage people uh, Search on Amazon, Performance Cortex uh, that'll, be, uh,
3: that'll be the easiest way Probably
2: Ch- Check it out, it's some really interesting stuff Zach, I, I can't uh, thank you enough for jumping on All the best and congratulations on the book
0: Thank you, Kevin thank, great, great speaking with you
2: Thank you to Zach Sean Braun. Thank you to Paul Sullivan. Thank you for listening to this week's episode of the Powell at the Park podcast. You can follow me on Twitter at KPowell720. Uh, Facebook, Instagram at KPowell720WGN. Would appreciate a follow there. Thank you for listening. Subscribe on iTunes, Google Play. You can also live, listen at wgnradio.com. moving forward. Thanks, everybody, for tuning in to Week 7 of the Powell at the Park podcast. Hope you have a great day.